Good morning, everyone. Whether you're in the building or whether you're at home, welcome to worship from Barclay View Fourth Church in Edinburgh. We're really delighted that during this holiday season, where we're all stretched a bit, that Elaine Wardrobe, who has worked with David through in Moncton and Presswick North Church, has agreed to come and lead us in this service to bring God's word to us. It's a pleasure to, wor- uh, to welcome Elaine and her family, um, and we hope that you enjoy your time with us as much as I'm sure we will enjoy our time with you. And we ask that you please take our warm wishes back to Moncton and Prestwick North Church and hope they have finally forgiven us for pinching David. <laughs> anyway, may God bless you as you lead us in this service of worship today, Elaine. Over to you. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here. And I just thank you for the warm invite to come and share with you this morning. And we do indeed bring our wish, the wishes of the folks at Moncton and Presswick North to you as well this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning we gather to worship you. We come together in church and from the comfort of our own homes each of us from our own lives, with our own thoughts, our own hopes, and our own worries. Let us bring our hearts with all that weighs on them before you this morning in worship. Unburden us, Lord. Do not let us be weighed down, but instead send your spirit anew among us and clear in our hearts and minds a space to focus on you and on our relationship with you. For become thirsty, longing for refreshment. We come hungry, longing for sustenance. We come as your children, and we long to know the full measure of your love. And here in this place of prayer, in this quiet and unlabored time, we can trace the steps of the paths that brought us here. Our Sunday morning waking and our journey here, our Saturday and the week that's gone before. As your people, we've known joy, comfort, fatigue and pain, love and hope, loneliness and strain. But as we cast our thoughts back, Lord, give us eyes to see that you have been with us all along. Give us hearts to know your presence, not just today, but in every day of our walk with you. That in our worship, we will remember your presence in every moment of our lives. We are sorry, Lord, when we forget to live our lives in full appreciation of the privilege of being adopted into your family. You are the God who freely loves. You have no requirements. The whole universe belongs to you. Yet as infinite, majestic, and glorious God, you concern yourself with us. You care for us. You know us. In Jesus Christ, you walked among us and demonstrated a love so perfect that all human history will unravel before we will comprehend its depth, width, and height. So, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to come to this place this morning to worship you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And Linda is now going to come and share our Bible readings for us. We have two Bible readings this morning. The first is Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is 
when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oils poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. The second reading is Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 7. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and the one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Linda. So now you all know that I'm Elaine, and you know that I live in Prestwick, but you may not know who's in my family. So I thought I'd bring some pictures to share with you this morning. You might recognize a couple of the folks because I've brought my husband and my daughter with me this morning, but this is my family. So I've been married for 31 years, and we have a son and a daughter. And then three years ago, we were very blessed to welcome it into our family, not only a daughter-in-law, but her whole family. And three years in, and I'm still getting away with showing this favourite photo of mine from that special day. So that's our family. Sadly, some are no longer with us, but they still hold a very special place in our family and in our hearts. And I guess if I was on one of those TV programmes about family trees... These are the folks that you might see. And I guess if we all shared our family photos today, we could be here for hours, sharing stories and talking about family dynamics and relationships. I'm sure we all have stories to tell about that. But I wanted to show you another couple of pictures. Some of you will know that I'm a Church of Scotland mission development worker, and I work in Irvine and Kilmarnock Presbytery. And when I took the step of leaving my much-loved job as a childminder to go and work for Church of Scotland, I remember worrying that there would be an expectation that I would have to leave my home church family behind. I remember almost four years ago when I was sitting in church with my mum. It was my last Sunday before starting my new job. I became very upset. I struggled to stay composed until the end of the service. And I hadn't realized that David, who was our minister at the time, had noticed how upset I was. And he said to me afterwards, why are you so upset? I said, I think actually it's just suddenly struck me that I really am going to leave my church family behind. And they're all so important to me. And David replied with these very wise words. He said, no, you're not losing your church family. Rather, you're gaining a new one. And luckier than most... You just get to be part of two church families. 
And I often think of those words because he was right, and that remains the case today. And I'm very thankful for both of those church families. But in fact, there's a third element to that. Because in my role as mission development worker, I also manage the Howard Centre, which is the town centre outreach centre, where we have a whole team of dedicated volunteers. And without them, there simply wouldn't be, it just simply wouldn't function. And we affectionately refer to them as the Howard Centre family. And you can see them up on the screen. Well, all these lovely images that we share of family are wonderful. And family is indeed a real gift from God. But we all know that just because we belong to the same family, whether it be our biological family or church family, we won't always agree. We're all different. We have different likes, different dislikes, different passions, different temperaments. We all have to work really hard at relationships and peacemaking. It requires compromise, respect, listening, and love. I suppose it's a wee bit like looking forward to going on a family holiday. You're exhausted and you look forward to a time of peace and calm. The holidays are here at last and you set off on your journey. And then the kids start squabbling in the car. Are we there yet? Can we go swimming? No, I want to go to the park. No, I want to go on the bikes. Well, imagine going on that journey, but instead of just taking your immediate family, you decide to take every relative and all the neighbours at the same time. Are you with me? Yeah, I think we can imagine what that would be like. Well, I think that's a bit like what church family can look like. We're never all going to agree on everything, and some will have stronger characters than others. But the thing is, we're told in Ephesians 1 that we are adopted into God's family. He chose us, every single one of us. So as Christians, we don't get to choose whether to be part of the family or not. We can't just decide not to go because we don't fancy the squabbling. We already are part of the family going on that journey because God's already chosen us to go. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is this. How will we live as part of the family of God? Will we live in unity or will we live in division? In Psalm 133 that Linda read earlier, David states that harmony is pleasant and precious. Unfortunately, harmony isn't always found in the church the way it should be. Often people disagree on unimportant issues. Some even delight in causing tension by discrediting others. Unity is not just important, but actually it's an essential environment. Unity in the church sets a positive example to the world, and it helps draw others to Christ. Unity helps us to work together as a body of believers and bring out the best in each other for the glory of the kingdom. And unity helps create an environment of renewal and revitalization in ministry because there is less tension that will sap our energy. Living in unity doesn't mean that we'll agree on everything. There will be many opinions. However, we must agree that our purpose in life is to work together for God. Our outward expression of unity will reflect our inward expression of purpose. 
brotherly unity shows us and others that we are dedicated to serving God wholeheartedly. I have to tell you about my week. So David called and asked if I would come to Edinburgh to share with you this week. He told me the theme, a bit of a tricky theme, I thought, that you were working on. And I started praying about what God would have me say. But alongside spending time with this theme of what if my family disagree, I've had a really busy, hectic week. And now I guess that most folks who know me might say I'm friendly, warm, and caring most of the time. Maybe if you ask Scott and Erin, they might disagree. (laughs) But most people might say that. But this past week, oh my goodness, I've grown horns. I've spent most of the week irritated by the fine detail of things that I've been working on. I've been angry and judgmental when I've seen the way folks have behaved. And I've ranted in private when I haven't agreed with the words and actions of others. I often say, I know I need a holiday, as things that I'd normally cope with really well start to upset me, and I feel that I'm on a short fuse. Meanwhile, though, there I am back to writing what I'll share today. And I don't get it when it's just not happening. Now, one thing I've learned as I journey with God is that if he's trying to speak to me or highlight something and I'm just not listening... He will use whatever method will work at that particular time. Well, God has been making me reflect on consequences. Three times, three times in this past week, I've been in the car when I've had to suddenly stop to avoid a situation in front of me. And each of these situations have made me think, what if? What if I recklessly kept driving without a thought for that person? who just accidentally pulled out? What if I decided my appointment was more important and I ignored that person that needed my help? What if I wasn't looking where I was going and my mind was elsewhere? What if? So what if I recklessly say something really hurtful in the heat of the moment? Sometimes the consequences of our unkind words or actions can be horrible for ourselves and for others. Unkind words can knock confidence and stop good works, really stop good works in their track. But encouraging words can help folks to flourish. I was thinking about that old saying, you know the one that they always say, get your own house in order. In other words, get myself sorted. We're in no position to criticize the words and actions of others. William Barclay was a famous author, presenter, and Church of Scotland minister, and he was a great communicator for the gospel. And one of his famous and very wise quotes was this, if we find ourselves becoming critical of others, we should stop examining them and start examining ourselves. Challenging words and definitely a message for me this past week. So I wonder if we really always remember our privileged place in God's family and we really saw ourselves, our homes, our churches as God's, would we be better at getting our house in order? If we want God's blessing in our lives, in our churches and in our families, then we need to live in unity. 
We need to forgive, reconcile, apologize, respect, and love. Living together in unity is good. It's pleasant and it's wholly appropriate for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not easy being a Christian. There's only one person in the whole of history who's ever achieved it perfectly. And that, of course, is Jesus. But he came to earth to show us how to live in unity. He came to show us that everything is built on relationships. And if we don't live by that principle that Jesus taught us, then we can't do any of the stuff that's expected of us. We can't make disciples and we can't do our part in building God's kingdom. Jesus came to show us how to do life, built on relationships with him and with each other. One thing we're all united in just now is the change that faces us in the Church of Scotland. The figures and the constant news of loss of ministries is stark and it's depressing. Change is inevitable, I think, for us all across the land. And in many ways, it's painful. Well, some of you may have seen the video that was shown at the General Assembly this year from Irvine and Kilmarnock Presbytery. In it, the Reverend Neil Urquhart explains that the Presbytery reset their agenda as far back as 2013. Since then, four out of their eight meetings each year have been mission exploration meetings. He goes on to say this very important point, that prayerful mission has become a priority in the readjustments of our congregations. I'm part of Irvine and Kilmarnock Presbytery, and they employed a mission facilitator and a mission pioneer and Church of Scotland minister, the Reverend Alan McWilliam, who's also director of Forge. And he was employed to guide and to help us achieve our goal. I was invited um, probably about a year and a half ago to join the Presbytery Pioneer Implementation Group. Quite a mouthful. It was wild, wildly out of my comfort zone, but I did want to learn and I felt strongly that God was nudging me towards it. So I agreed. But if I'm honest, at that point, I couldn't really see what knowledge or skills of mine could be used in this work. So I trusted God and I said yes. And then the pandemic hit. But not to be stopped, we mission mapped via Zoom. I felt my head might explode with learning overload. There was just so much technology to learn. I'll never forget Alan saying one of the nights. So Elaine, you can just annotate the map on Zoom. And I remember thinking, what even is that? I don't even understand that language. But anyway, we went ahead, we prayed, and it all worked out. The mission mapping was great. And actually, Zoom really lends itself to it. And using the five marks of mission, congregations across the presbytery were invited to dream and submit some pioneer project proposals. And initially we had 20, which is amazing. Presbytery put folks through the pioneer, pioneer course, the Forge Pioneer course, and the Cairn Learning Community. The commitment not just being to projects, but rather to equip, enable, and grow mission right across the presbytery. Six of our projects received the backing of the Faith Nurture Forum, and we now have six pioneers in post along with a team leader. And they're working alongside our existing teams. We're now in the threshold of pioneer mission, 
committed to a mixed economy of growing new alongside existing expressions of church. It's all very encouraging and exciting in these times of decline and reduction that we're hearing about. But it doesn't come without painful parish readjustment. And nor has it come with everyone united and in agreement every step of the way. My remit in that group um, it kind of evolved. I don't think it was really my remit, but as often happens in church, I became responsible for prayer. And I have to tell you that's a huge responsibility because much prayer is still needed. There will always be challenging decisions and disagreements. Churches are divided because of differences. Different opinions, different traditions, different values. Therefore, we must work really hard at valuing and developing our relationship with Jesus and with each other. The more time we spend in him, the more we become like him. In the midst of this ever-changing environment, it's good to remember the one thing that never changes. We are so thankful for the promise that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to stay rooted in him and in unity with each other. One of the organizations that I'm involved in through the Howard Center is Broken Chains, It provides a two-course hot meal and a time of worship for those who find themselves marginalised in our community. It's held in our Church of Scotland building, but it is an ecumenical organisation. We have four preachers from different denominations in the town, and we have teams of volunteers from different churches and denominations who help each week. It really is a privilege to lead this initiative. But as you can imagine, it can be really challenging. Each denomination has slightly different theology. And if we weren't careful, it could all go horribly wrong. But we have to work really hard at creating a culture of respect and love in order to work in unity and to illustrate the message that we are all loved and valued by God and by each other. We need to make sure that all who attend feel safe respected and listened to. Unity doesn't just happen. We have to work at it. We know, we've said it, differences can lead to division. This shouldn't be true in churches, but often it is. Instead of concentrating on what divides us, we really should focus on what unites us. Family. I was thinking about babies, and I was thinking about when my own children where babies in their prams. And you know, people used to always look in and they would say, they have their daddy's eyes. You know that old saying? And that was true of my children. It still is today. They both have their daddy's eyes. We hear that often, but it made me think, what a wonderful world it would be if we could always see others through our Heavenly Father's eyes. God has chosen us to be Christ's representatives on earth. And in our passage from Ephesians, Paul challenges us to live lives worthy of the calling we've received. That is, the awesome privilege of being called God's own family. This includes us being humble, gentle, patient, and understanding. People are watching my life, and they're watching your life. And I wonder, can they see Christ in us? We're all different with different gifts, 
That's what makes the body work. Each part is valued and has an important job to do. And I wanted to just quickly tell you about my friend Julie. Julie did a similar job to mine for many years. And when I started, she was a great support to me. Julie is known for being a great encourager. But Julie retired just at the end of January 2020. She had all these plans and obviously she retired and then COVID hit and all those plans were put on hold. And she would say, I didn't really have a chance to find my place in retirement. And she was feeling a bit displaced and her words, a bit useless. Everything that she had planned needed to be paused and she found herself in a strange place. But she really wanted to help women in different forms of ministry, recognizing that this was a really stressful, unknown place that we were all finding ourselves in. Many women still, um, you know, doing full-time ministry jobs, bringing up young children, homeschooling, looking after elderly relatives, all of that and the responsibility that comes with it. So every single morning, every single morning, since the first lockdown in March 2020, Until now, Julie has spent time with God asking what message of encouragement she should send out. So every single day since March 2020, I've received a word of encouragement, along with lots of other folks. I can't begin to tell you what an encouragement it's been, and just how many times that message has been spot on, and just what I've needed to hear for a particular time or situation. So you won't be surprised then when I was preparing for this morning that Julie's daily message pinged in and it read, when you're part of God's family, you will never be truly alone again. She didn't know I was speaking today, let alone know the theme was God's family. God really is awesome. If God gives you encouraging words for others, share them. They're affirming and they're God-breathed and they help us to live in unity with God and with each other. I've got three different experiences that I just want to quickly share with you this morning. The first one, some years ago at Moncton and Presswick North, we had the privilege of going on a mission trip to Arizona. There are so many memories and moments that I could speak about. It was a wonderful experience, but I wanted to share one in particular. Whilst we were there, we were going up to the Navajo Indian Reservation for a few days where we would help with, I suppose it's like holiday club. That's about the best way of describing it. But up in the Navajo, all generations live together. So it really is for everybody. It's from tiny babies up to great grandmother and everybody in between. Our cultures couldn't be any more different. But what struck me was that the moment we arrived we really were treated like family. We had been saying to our, we had lots of teenagers with us and we had been saying, you know, when we get there, just give everybody a bit of time. Remember, they don't know you. And within the first of our minibuses emptying, all of the youngsters were on a big grassy field that was called, I think it was a basketball, it was just grass. And there they were all together as if they'd known everybody forever. It was almost like they didn't need to get to know us. The fact that we were brothers and sisters in Christ was all that mattered. 
It truly did make us connected like family. And you know, the simplicity of that instant trust and relationship has stayed with me ever since. It's something I can't describe. And we're still in touch with them all, all these years later. Fast forward a few years, and we're asked to host at the Howard Centre, the Abana Children's Choir from Uganda, as part of their UK tour. We had a giant sleepover in the Howard Centre for a few days, hosting the children and their leaders. This is an experience that will stay with us forever. In fact, we hope in the future to send a team out to Uganda. We should have been hosting them again this year, but the pandemic hit. But again, the thing that struck me was just this instant connection. Worlds apart, yet united in God's family. And you know, one of the things every evening when the children were there was one of the men whose job was the kind of spiritual, I can't remember what they called it, they had a a certain name for this time, but it was their time of learning. And this man would just shout, the Howard Centre's huge with lots of rooms, and he would just shout, it's time! And the children would run and they couldn't get enough of the Bible. It was incredible. And they would be climbing over them to actually get more and, and hear more. And I just thought, wow, that is, it's just amazing. All too often we think of God's family as being in our own little corner, our church. But actually, we have the awesome privilege of being part of something so much bigger. The last picture I want to share with you is of the Alpha Leadership Conference in the Albert Hall. I can't quite remember, but I want to say 5,000 or more than that people it holds. And I think the first time that we went was in 2014, and we've been going ever since. I actually can't find the words to describe to you the feeling of literally thousands of Christians worshipping together in the one place. Different cultures, different nationalities, different denominations, a really diverse gathering of people, yet all belonging to the one family of God. The Holy Spirit is tangible in that place in a way that, that is it's just incredible. That feeling of being totally immersed in God, leaving all other things that distract us and just being together with God and each other. It's overwhelming. And I'm sure at some point, David is going to say to you, do you want to go to leadership conference? And you must say yes. You must go. Please take that opportunity. God's family isn't limited to particular people like you and I. We belong to the biggest, most diverse family we can ever imagine. Together, we are the family of God. We are all united in him. Each of us has God-given abilities that help to strengthen the whole body. Our gifts and abilities are ours to use in God's service. Therefore, let us ask God to take all our unique gifts and use them in union with him and with each other to contribute to the strength and health of the family, the body of believers. And let us go into the weeks ahead, looking at others through our Heavenly Father's eyes. Amen. And now Catherine's going to lead us in our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Dear Lord, 
As we've been thinking about families, we thank you that we, as children of God, belong to your family and we know your love. Thank you for the amazing family that it is. And we remember our church family here at Barclay Viewforth, those in the building and many more who are part of the family. We think of those on holiday, praying they may have rest and refreshment. For those who are lonely, may they know you with them. For those who are unwell, may they find your healing. And for those who are sad, your comfort. We think of families with children across our city and country, families in all different ways. Over this holiday time, may parents get the support they need and children get the opportunity to play and to be children. As a community, wherever we are, may we support the families around us. Around the world, there are families in situations we feel we can do so little about. Places where COVID, climate change, wars and famine have such an effect. Help us to do what we can do, to pray, to give, to raise awareness and to change our behaviours. May the organisations who can help practically have the resources and political support they need. We remember especially just now countries including our own struggling with covid Thank you that so many are vaccinated here, but we pray for medical staff and politicians as they make decisions going forward. And for so many countries, there are still complex issues around vaccination. Help those who are working to address this and give the medical staff strength. As we go into another week, may we, within our families and our friends, share God's love in all that we do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Catherine. And now we stand together in worship. Bind us together, Lord. <laughs> 